listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. Welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future Podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future. You can find my work at astrosfuture.com and find me on Twitter at Astros Future. I'm your other co-host, Kenny Van Doren. You can also find my work on astrosfuture.com and find me on Twitter at The Vandalorian. Today, we're going to recap all the Astros 2023 MLB draft selections, and we're also going to look at uh, how the teams fared in the first half of the season. But first, I want to let you know this episode is powered by Big City Wings. It is Houston's wing joint. Be someone at Big City Wings. Wall-to-wall TVs to watch the games. Big City Wings is big on wings, big on specials, and big on sports. A family-friendly restaurant with something on the menu for everyone. 13 convenient locations, so be sure to check them out. So, Kenny, we'll get right to it. Astros wrapped up their third day of drafting today. Uh, obviously, Sunday they had their first and second round uh, selection, so we'll get on those first. First round pick, uh, number 28 overall, they took Bryce Matthews, a shortstop out of Nebraska, kind of following the mold last year, taking the college position player, but this year they decided to go to, uh, with an infielder. But what's your take on that pick? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I tweeted this uh, probably the day after, probably that night of the draft. I only watched one college baseball game last year, and I, I – I'm in SEC country. I went to Mizzou. I didn't watch a single SEC game, but I watched one game as Nebraska versus Penn State, and he stood out to me. I mean, he went three for five with a home run. I vividly remember watching him, and I was like, you know, what if this guy went to the Astros? Just as a weird coincidence, ended up going there. From what I've read, what I've seen, great athlete. Guy was a court. He was the QB one at Atascacita High School. Um, but yeah, so just. Everything was just you know, go, go went so well for him this past year. I mean, he found the power. There was some tweets and some quotes about how he was more of like a raw player going into college and coming out of high school. Really pieced everything together. Great speed, great athlete. I mean, he could probably move to second or third base. He does kind of feel like a guy that might not move as fast as Drew Gilbert. He did yeah. play in the Big Ten, which is one of the, like the better baseball conferences, better just athletic conferences. But it looks like a guy that the Astros could really mold well, cut down a little bit on the swing and miss. But um, walk numbers looked pretty good, and it looked like a good pick there because the Astros were all were all over him. Yeah, no, I had a, a breakout junior season, 20 homers, 20 stolen bases, you know, hitting 359. Really uh, put up some good numbers. So I think when you talk about maybe moving a little bit slower than Gilbert, uh, you know, he kind of – he came broke onto the scene with that big junior year. Like you mentioned, phenomenal athlete. I was reading MLB.com's report. They said that, you know, that he may not stick at shortstop, but I think Baseball America was was higher on his chances of sticking at shortstop. But either way, uh, they mentioned just the athletic ability. He's going to probably be somewhere up the middle, second base, center field. Uh, so it looks like a good pick for sure. That's a, a position I know we talked about that the Astros just kind of lack a little bit is, is some some infield, middle infield depth down on the lower levels of the system. And you'll definitely find a guy like, you know, Bryce Matthews get plugged in other positions that go along the way. Even Jeremy Pena, who's starting a shortstop now, he played games at third base and second base. So he'll move around. And of course, you never draft based on need, but this was kind of a need in the system. I mean, Mm -hmm. there wasn't a guy like Drew Gilbert, Jacob Melton, with a lot of college experience, a lot of presence um, against like better pitching at the top of the system. And of course, he'll start, you know, in single A, he'll see the complex league before he gets, you know, gets moving. But next season, he could definitely be in double A um, by the end of the year. Yeah, for sure. And then second round pick, they went with a pitcher, just like they did last year, taking uh, Andrew Taylor out of Central Michigan. This year, they took Alonzo Treadwell out of UCLA, six foot eight, 230 pounds. 
So a, a huge human being for sure. Um, but another one that's a, an intriguing pick, you know, he uh, had some really good numbers. I think he already went through Tommy John back in like 2020, had a good, some good numbers this year, ran the fastball up to the mid nineties, but looks like another, uh, another player that the Astros can probably mold a little bit. And there's still some potential left uh, there left for him to, uh, to, you know, get to. We talked about this a couple of times, just off mic. And it looked like, you know, this, this is kind of the start of the part of the draft where, the Astros dip their feet in the West Coast. I mean, of course, you're taking the best player available, the best player that's on your board that you think is going to be the best player in the system. But this was the first of, you know, going after some of those UCLA or California guys. This is the second UCLA pitcher to join the Astros system in the last three years with Adrian Chaitis joining the system in 2021. But um, he looked really good last year. I mean, he only appeared in nine games. I think it was a lower back issue that kind of limited him last season, but just a force. I mean, the guy, he's just, he's 21 years old, but he's six foot eight. I mean, he's going to be a... A pounding he's gonna pound strikes just coming off the <clears throat> that side of the rubber and um just just a great pickup there for the astros yeah and you know mlb.com mentioned that it, his slider his off-speed pitch could be a plus pitch so that with the mid-90s fastball and the size that he has and uh the ability to command the strike zone didn't walk a lot of guys is uh, definitely an intriguing starting potential down in the system uh the third round they went with another pitcher though jake bloss out of georgetown and he's Kind of an interesting story, you know. He's he was uh, getting his masters at Georgetown after uh, pitching for Lafayette. Still had some eligibility there. Uh, went there and uh, fastball was averaging around like ninety three, touched ninety seven, and had a, a really good season. You think studying his masters, maybe he's older, but yeah, just uh, moved up quick and and has some really good stuff. Another uh, kind of intriguing arm, which we've seen the Astros do a lot in those middle rounds. Yeah, it, it got another guy that's really improved that strikeout rate. That that K nine jumped to eleven point three in this past year. Big East pitcher of the year. Um, one of like a really smart guy too. That was another thing MLB.com had a, an article on him. He's just very intelligent. He wants to jump deep into the analytics of pitching, and he had that at Georgetown. But there's a lot more that he wants to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, just sounds like a, a really just student of the game almost is what is what they called him. Yeah, for sure. Um, we'll move to the fourth round. This one, this is one that I think got a lot of people excited. Cam Fisher out of UNC Charlotte. Put up some, I mean, just unreal numbers last year. Uh, hit 348, had 30 homers, drew 64 walks in 64 games. Did have 63 strikeouts, so uh, some scouts have noted the, the swing and miss being a little bit of an issue. But uh, even on MLB.com, they noted that uh, led one scout to dub him the, the mid-major version of Kyle Schwarber. Uh, Schwarber mm-hmm. Just based on that left-handed swing, the power that he has, the ability to draw walks. So a uh, very intriguing bat to get in the system. Somebody that uh, adds some legitimate pop and a guy that was uh, that was highly regarded by a lot of scouts. And I don't know the exact number on it, but he was top five and slugging in all of college baseball last year. And he wasn't playing at, um, you know, power five level. You call you know, he was a mid-major, as you noted, Jimmy. Um, but 813 slugging percentage, that, that's just crazy. I mean, the guy got on base nearly 50 percent or over 50 percent of the time. Uh, everything clicked from offensively. And even Chris Gross, the amateur ath- or scouting director for the Astros, he mentioned that, you know, he might be a bigger guy. He probably doesn't run as hard, but we still like they, the Astros still like him as a corner outfielder. And that he can mm-hmm. find himself there, probably stretch even to first base uh, when he jumps in the system with the position position addition. Um, but even for like a bigger guy that has a lot of power behind him, he's a nifty defender. Yeah, that'll that'll be a, a very uh, fun one to watch this year when he makes it to Fayetteville. Uh, the fifth round, though, the Astros did something we haven't kind of seen them do in a while. And they took a, a high school uh, shortstop. Chase Jaworski out of Rock Canyon High School in Colorado. Uh, what's your thoughts on him, uh, Kenny? Yeah, my, my first like initial thought is when you kind of look back to that 2021 draft, you didn't have the first round pick, you didn't have the second round pick. Um, James Click and company, they went back to back high schoolers. I mean, you had Tyler Whitaker in the third round, Alex Gould in the fourth round. The Astros didn't end 
end up getting Alex Yola signed down. Um, but, you know, saving money on, you know, went after some college guys here that probably don't have enough, really a lot of leverage. You know, a guy like Cam Fisher, not going to go back. You know, he's going to go right. to the, he's going to go to the pros and you, you can save a lot of money there. And if you want a, a shortstop, you can mold. And there's Jaworski's, you know, was a top five, top six um, high schooler in the state of Colorado. Another guy out West that the Astros found and um, nice lefty swing. And he's just, he looked fast too. So watching him run the bases and he looked like a, a really clean defender. I've seen some things that maybe he could move around, but um, shortstop looks like a good, a good plug in just for him to start off in the FCL. Yeah. And just like we talked about the, the lack of, you know, infield depth down on the lower levels, this is going to be nice to, if the Astros end up signing him and, um, you know, getting him in the system. But you mentioned that left-handed swing looked really good. I think I saw something that uh, noted he was home to third on, uh, in like 10.6 seconds or something mm-hmm. uh, extremely fast. So, yeah, really good speed, smooth at shortstop, nice left-handed swing. So nice to get a young uh, shortstop talent in the system like that. In the sixth round, the Astros took a pitcher, Ethan Pecco, out of Towson. He's 20 years old, had some good numbers there, you know, 3-2-1 ERA, 48 strikeouts and 42 innings. But I think what really stood out is he went into to play some summer baseball in the Northwoods League, which is a, a pretty competitive a summer collegiate league. And he had a 1.04 ERA, struck out 36 and 26 innings. You know, Baseball America noted he's got a, like a, a low 90 uh, sinker and a plus slider. So a little sinker-slider combo right there, um, looking like a nice pick for the Astros. And if I'm not mistaken, he is, he intended, he didn't tell you, he, he told you he's uh, intending to sign with the Astros. A um, yep. good quote here from him. He said, he's extremely honored and excited to get to work um, with such a great organization. Yeah, for sure. And and um, that's a, there's a couple guys and we'll get to them when, when we get to them, we'll mention it, but there's a, quite a few that we've already talked to you that do intend to sign. So it uh, looks like a nice get right there in the sixth round. Seventh round, the Astros took a picture of Joey Dixon out of Stanford. Six foot two, 204 pounds, uh, pounds, struck out 90 and in 83 innings. ERA was a little high, but, um, you know, playing over there in Stanford, uh, high elevation, not always the best. But uh, they noted that he has a – Baseball America noted he has a mid-90s fastball and a solid curveball. Before we go, you know, each one, I, I want to go to the next one that I think is really intriguing, and I'm going to let you talk about him, Kenny. But uh, Jerron Williams, a shortstop out of Toledo in the ninth round. Um, insane numbers and, and one that seemed to get a lot of people excited. Yeah, I mean – Everything was was clicking for him this past year um, in the MAC. I mean, another guy that Toledo isn't producing great baseball talents left and right, um, but this is a second baseball talent to jump into the Astros system here. And Jerron Williams, 22 years old, a little bit on the older side, so he probably doesn't have as much leverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, looking at what really stands out is the stolen bases. 49 yeah. stolen bases, cut was caught stealing only four times um, in his collegiate career. He stole 72 bases in 112 games. I mean, you don't see that as often. Of course, stolen bases are really coming back this season um, in the minor leagues and even in the major leagues with the bigger bases, the pitch clock, you know, the game is changing, but that, that speed is just a big tool to find in the Astros system. He had a 680, 681 slugging percentage last year in 55 games. He belted 14 home runs, 16 doubles. I mean, the guy was doing it all. He walked 22 times at 37 strikeouts. That's a good ratio there. Um, you can play some shortstop. You might move around the, the infield a little bit more um, as he climbs the system. But he's someone that you could probably plug into high A, even single A by the end of the year. I mean, Tim Borden, who was drafted, I think, more than mid-rounds. I think he was maybe 14 last year. Um, he's in high A right now. He got the opportunity to jump up to high A based on need. And I feel like Jerron Williams could be another guy just because he's a little bit older. Yeah, and the Astros don't they, they don't really have a guy like that. I know a lot of those kind of players have kind of been phased out. The guys that steal a lot of bases don't have a lot of power, but the Astros don't have anyone like that in the system right now. You know, Jacob Melton leads the system in stolen bases, but 
he's doing doing so with a lot of power. I think he's got 14 homers on the year. So uh, it'll be nice to get a real athletic guy like that at shortstop in the system. So kind of rounding out the top 10, you know, they they finished off taking uh, uh, taking Austin Deming out of BYU. Uh, really good numbers, fifth-year seniors, like you mentioned, not a lot of leverage. Really good numbers, though. Um, had a breakout fifth-year senior year, so we'll see what the Astros can get from him. But today is where it really got interesting. The 11th round, the Astros took a, 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 a an outfielder out of high school, and I don't want to I don't want to butcher his name, but is it Nahomar Ochoa? Nahomar Ochoa, yeah, Nahomar Ochoa, Galena Park High School out of, uh, here in uh, the Houston area. But you know, guy's six foot four, two hundred and ten pounds, and he's seventeen years old. hadn't even turned eighteen yet. It looks like the Astros have plans to kind of do what they did last year with Ryan Clifford, maybe not at the same level of a prospect that Clifford was, but to go get some some of these high school guys in the uh, the eleventh round or later. Yeah, and you you can't miss out on Ochoa. He's in your backyard. That's like about ten minutes, ten miles away from Minute Maid Park. Uh, a guy who's been just crazy in the Houston area. Just I'm going to pull up his numbers right here in a second. Um, last year in his senior season, he was batting 602 with a 1277 slugging percentage. That's not his OPS. That's his slugging percentage. He had 11 home runs, 11 doubles. Of course, he's facing high school talent, um, but he's 17 years old and going back to back with another um, high school outfielder and Anthony Huizzo, I, that that kind of shocked me there. I don't know about you, Jimmy. I was kind of expecting yeah. just another college arm, even a college shortstop for some infield depth, someone you can mold. And like Zach Dezenzo last season who moved to third base, but um, you got two young outfielders right there. And that's something that you probably saved a lot of money for. Yeah. And hopefully the Astros find a way to, to get those guys. You never know what's going to happen. Like you mentioned, we didn't sign you Lola a few years ago, a couple years ago, I think we ended up signing, well, last year we signed Ryan Clifford, but I think we missed out on one of the high schoolers that was drafted like 19, I think. Um, and then maybe the year before that, we signed Hector Nieves, but didn't sign Jackson Lynn, who was a high school outfitter that we drafted. So it's it's been a – you never really know who's going to sign. But if the Astros can find a way to get, you know, Chase Jaworski, that fifth-round pick, uh, the shortstop, and then these two outfitters right here, you're going to feel a lot better about the the upside talent that they have down at the lower levels. Because, you know, we've talked about a Fayetteville – uh, unfortunately, they just don't have a ton of talent right now. And, you know, missing those uh, those picks the last couple of years kind of hurt. But hopefully getting these guys in the system will be good. Kenny, was there anyone else that really stuck out, uh, stood out to you on, on day three of the draft in between that 11 to 20 round? Um, there are a couple guys that really stood out, but I just wanted to make one more comment on Anthony Ezzo, who, who is from the California area, another California talent to the Astros. Um, drafted here I, that video of him, the swing from perfect yeah. game, the side he looked like um, Juan Soto. Juan Soto. Yeah, yeah, he looked just like Juan Soto. I yeah. mean, it, maybe he held his hands, you know, all the way through, but it looked like identical to Juan Soto. Yeah, no, and I, I, I felt the same way, and a lot of people saw that too. Yeah, swing looked really good. So uh, to to get a guy that's 17, heck, he doesn't even turn 18 until November, left-handed swing, 6'2", 185, and um, the reports on him are good. You know, it, it, talk about a little bit of swing and miss, but the uh, real good bat speed, clean path, big arm in the outfield, can be a strong defender in center. So uh, a lot to like about him. Uh, one guy I'll mention, and man, I don't want to. I I need to go look at the name because this is going to be a name that's going to trip me up. But Garrett, uh, is it Gilmet? Gilmet? Gilmete? Gilmete? All right. So the Probably catcher Gilmete. out of Texas. Yeah, twenty-one years old. Uh, he already uh, advised us he intends to sign. He he told us that today. Um, and you know he hit two ninety-eight, eleven homers, sixty RBIs. So. Uh, and then I think you mentioned something, Kenny, about the energy that he plays with. But for the Astros to get another good catcher in the system that's had success at a at a big school like that is going to be really good to see. Yeah, I was reading something. He was like a spark plug. He's a personal catcher. He gets with this rotation. It was just his first year at Texas this past year. And they were a couple outs away from making it to the College World Series. And he was a big part of it. 
uh, played the last the previous two seasons at USC. And the guy is a four-year junior. And of course, you know, he's coming, he's going to sign with the Astros. And that's just a big pickup. I mean, the Astros had Colin Price last year. They had John Garcia and Ryan Robleski in the final two rounds. But yeah. this time, this one, it looks like the Astros are more prioritizing more just like a defensive guy, but also a guy who has a good bat. I mean, this is another guy that could be similar to Colin Price. He's just a little bit smaller. And he has, you know, the opportunity to, to show it on both sides of the ball. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen over and over that the catching depth is so important in the system. You know, guys get hurt, but you got to have catchers. You know, we can get guys that play shortstop and third and second play out of the field, but it's hard to find catchers. So it'd be nice to add that to a system. But right after that, they took another catcher. And unfortunately, we don't know much about him. Will Bush. They took him out of Tyler Junior College here in Texas, but he's only 19 years old. He turns he, he won't turn 20 until next March. You know, he's a lefty hitter, righty thrower, six foot four, 230 pounds. I don't really know what to make of this other than it's just exciting getting a 19-year-old guy in junior college and seeing what he can do, especially given the size and at the catcher position. Yeah, 19 years old and playing in the in the MLB Draft League is a big move there. Must be a lot of people that were looking looking at him. I talked to him today briefly, and he said he does intend to sign with the Astros. You know, 19 years old after two years in junior college, um, maybe there was an opportunity elsewhere. If, if you look at who the Astros drafted a couple – uh, the next pick, Colby Langford, who told you that he does intend to sign with the Astros. He was another guy that was at JUCO, but he had an opportunity to go pitch in Oklahoma. I mean, that's you're going to pitch in the, the Big 12 and then the SEC. Yep. Uh, but he he chose the professional route. Um, but here's one thing real real quick on Will Bush, though. He hit 357 last year with a 1227 OPS. And he just turned 19, like a not not too long ago, too. Um, so very interesting swing, too. I don't know if you saw the videos of mm-hmm. him swinging. It kind of has the, the front foot up at an angle. Um, you know, very, very distinct swing. You know, no one else really has one that looks just like it. Yeah. And then uh, lastly, in the 19th round, the Astros took an outfielder, Andrew Duncan, out of uh, A3 Academy in Florida. He's committed to Florida State. He was ranked the 203rd prospect in, uh, for this draft by MLB.com. So, he looks like he's going to be a tough sign, but, you know, the Astros have pulled this off before with Ryan Cl- uh, Clifford last year. So, you know, they got four guys out of high school. They got the the shortstop chase and then the three outfitters today. So we'll see which way they go. Um, I think he's going to be a tough sign, but, you know, they, they did draft some guys that appear to be probably under slot signees and in some fifth year seniors four uh, four year seniors. So they will be able to save some money. Uh, but all in all, I feel good about the class that they're bringing in. I think we needed some some low level talent, you know, the the young outfielders, the shortstops down at the lower level. Um, and I think the Astros did just that. And a couple of things to note about Andrew Duncan. He, he was a two way player before he transferred to A3 Academy to finish out his uh, his high school career. Um, but the pick almost feels like Isaiah Jackson last season, last year, um, who the Astros selected in the 18th round, Isaiah Jackson did not sign. He ended up going to Arizona state, had a pretty decent freshman season, saw a good amount of playing time, but we kind of talked about this too. Um, you know, if the Astros, they could go like just a different combination of Ochoa Huizo or Duncan. And it it kind of feels like Duncan might be the most, might be the priciest of the three, just based on the upside and what this kid has talent wise. Mm -hmm. Um, as we look kind of scrolling through some of this perfect game highlights i mean he does it everywhere does it on the base paths he does it in the field he's very athletic he's very quick um has some good power some good pop that comes out of it and uh, another you know righty outfielder that the astros could probably try to you know swindle away from florida state but with nil these days it could be tough yeah and i think that's you know potentially the astros backup plan you know they drafted Mm -hmm. three outfielders in high school um ideally you know they would sign all three but you know maybe you draft a guy like Duncan that way if the the guys in the 11th and 12th rounds don't make it through then you could throw all the money at Duncan um so probably a good backup plan 
uh, the, the chance of signing, I would think, is probably pretty unlikely. But like I said, overall, I, I feel good about the where the draft class is and uh, excited to get this new talent in the system. My last my last one I just want to point out is uh, Jackson Nizzo, who's taken to the 14th round out of Lafayette. Um, he's a guy that's just like Spencer Arigetti. I mean, he took his last collegiate year to yeah. Lafayette, and the strikeout numbers went up. Uh, ERA was a little bit wonky. I think it was a little bit north of six or right at six. Um, but 100 strikeouts in 90 innings, and Spencer Argetti was right around there. I think there was a difference between 0.2 on their K9. Whatever they're teaching uh, some of these <laughs> pitchers that end up in Lafayette just to kind of uptick on those strikeout rates, you know, trying to miss more bats and just pick up more whiffs. And that's um, something to really just monitor moving forward. Another guy that could maybe find himself in a similar role to Spencer Argetti, you know, competing for the, the strikeout lead in high A next season. Yeah, no, that and that would be that would be awesome if he ends up doing that. But uh, but yeah, no, it'd be it'd be good to get another pitcher from uh from Louisiana Lafayette in the system. Um, so that's gonna do it for the first segment. The next segment, we're gonna recap the first half of the season for all the Astros minor league teams and mention some of the guys that have really stood out to this point. And we'll get to that in just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astro Future Podcast, presented by the Apollo Media. Enjoy the show. Do us a favor. Drop us a review. Leave us some stars, like we talked about. We're going to cover all the minor league teams at this point. They're all on their their all star break, um, but we'll start out with Sugarland. They're thirty five and fifty two. Been a little bit of a rough stretch, but you know, like we've mentioned all season long, it's not necessarily about the overall record. It's about the player development, and the Astros have some some good prospects coming. So, me and Kenny put some some names down here that we want to talk about. First one I want to mention, um, and it's one that I didn't expect to be mentioning at this point, uh, really, since you know, I mean, years ago. John Singleton, you know, the Astros brought him back, a former former top prospect in the Astros system, unfortunately didn't didn't do so well when he got his opportunities. But the Astros brought him back this year and in 13 games in Sugarland, he's got five homers hitting 333, uh, 455 on base percentage. I know it's a small sample, um, but man, that's a, that's a guy like it's just I didn't I did not expect John Singleton to return to the organization and return and hit at this level. Um, but either way, nice to see, especially with, you know, Brantley's injuries where, you know, maybe you need some DH time or with Abreu who was struggling, who's hitting a little bit better now. Um, but nice to to just get some some first base, some DH depth down there in triple A. Yeah, I really just showed you where the Astros are kind of prioritizing just minor league depth. Um, at this point, AAA just kind of feels like another spot for the Astros to just keep guys that might be MLB ready. Um, it, we're not seeing a lot of top prospects like Loper Fido get pushed up there. Even Drew Gilbert, who did struggle for a little bit there with an injury. But it's just kind of like just holding guys there that might be ready to come up to the majors just as, you know, depth guys. And if the Astros maybe keep struggling at the first base position. John Singleton could definitely help there. And it really just kind of stood out to me after that signing happened is when they released Scott Schreiber. He's 28 yeah. years old. He played in the Arizona Fall League last year, did deal with a back injury, um, but never really came back to himself, kind of faced another injury this season that was undisclosed when he was placed on the injured list. Uh, but that really just showed you how much they needed another first baseman. Um, and another uh, infielder that's really stood out to me is Shea Whitcomb. Of course, you know, we've talked about Shea a lot this season. He's played in 75 games between AA and AAA, those 29 games since he's been pr pr promoted to the Space Cowboys. Um, on the year, he's batting 266 with 850 OPS. Uh, but down in Sugarland, he's batting 256, 750, 797 OPS. It's dropped a little bit. Um, but as you noted um, in between our break here, he doesn't have a double yet. He's played in 29 games, but he has nine home runs. He had 12 doubles and 12 home runs in 46 games in Double A. Still trying to you know find a double there. I was actually at a, when I talked to him at a game not too long ago. We had an article on Astros Future about him. Um, he did have a double in that game. It was later changed to a single and an error. <laughs> so almost had one, um, but still looking for that double, but playing great defense. And he's really turned it around with his bat. 
Yeah, no, and that's it's been a, a nice breakout for him. You know, his first full season in the Astro system had a, a great year, uh, stealing bases, hitting homers. And then last year, kind of struggled in Double A. So nice to to see him turn it around. Uh, Pedro Leon is a, is a guy I think we're excited about coming into the year, and it's been up and down. You know, he's had some some good months, some bad months. In, in June, he hit three twenty nine, six homers, OPS over a thousand. Unfortunately, in July, in eight games, he's two for twenty nine. The strikeouts are there a little bit. Um, they've kind of improved a little bit over the last like month and a half and, and the numbers have kind of trended upward. Um, but really, you know, that's, that's kind of what he is. I think at this point, he's going to be a guy that's got some pop. He's going to hit some homers, but he's also going to strike out, probably give you pretty, you know, pretty good defense in the outfield, but some homers, some strikeouts. And I, I hate to do comparisons sometimes with like one name that kind of popped in my mind was like Carlos Gomez and, and Carlos Gomez had some really good years, you know, back in mm-hmm. the day. Um, so I kind of almost think maybe like the early Carlos Gomez days or the late Carlos Gomez, not the prime Carlos Gomez, mm-hmm. but basically a guy that's going to, you know, play some pretty good defense in center field, hit some homers and, and strike out a bit. Yeah. Unfortunately on the pitching side, it just hasn't there. The triple a staff outside of uh, Joe record, who's been great in the closing role, um, you know, hasn't been, hasn't been great, but I do know there's a pitcher you want to note. Yeah, I was down there for Spencer Getty's debut on June 28th. He pitched five innings, a uh, total of five strikeouts. Um, he We had an article in Astros Future about it, too, just kind of him going more in depth on what happened. Um, he's like, you know, when I get kicked in the mouth, I don't like that. You know, I, I like to respond. I like to find my way back into it. And it was a quick, quick run scored on him in the first inning. He dialed it back in, got two strikeouts and a flyout. I mean, the, the guy responds well, and that's mm-hmm. what that's what you really have to know about Spencer Getty. Um, he did add another pitch um, that baseball savant's still not picking up, uh, still recognizing as a fastball. But um, his, his last time out, he was a little bit shaky, though. I mean, he went four innings, gave up three runs. He had six strikeouts. So it's a little bit back and forth right now, still trying to get used to the PCL. Yeah, and then, you know, if we uh, if we want to jump down to double A, I know you mentioned some some notes there actually on transactions real quick. Uh, Corey Lee and Joe Record went to the IL. What can you tell me about that? Yeah, so Corey Lee has a right oblique strain, so he hit the injured list. We don't have any update on Joe Record. Um, it was retroactive to earlier this week. Um, the guy who's been playing really well, and it looked like maybe he could be someone they could the Astros evaluate. It's a bullpen spot, maybe late in the year if he continues this up. Um, but he's going to be on the injured list right now. All right, so we'll go to to Double A, the Corpus Christi Hooks. They're they're the best team right now in the organization, thirty eight and forty three, and really they've been led by uh, man. It's been a handful of guys that are that are really doing well. The name that pops out, obviously, is Drew Gilbert. And you mentioned, you know, he went through some some injuries where he was only DH in, and it really felt like that affected him. I mean, it seems like all his power was zapped when that happened. Um, he's back in the field now, and things have actually started to trend upwards a little bit. So he's only hitting 220 in double A. Uh, but I think the positive sign, he's got 32 walks to 34 strikeouts in 46 games. So he's commanding the strike zone. He's drawing walks. He's getting on base. Uh, the power just hasn't been there. But we saw the power in high A. It really appears like the injury is kind of what held him back a little bit. Um, but overall, he's been um, he's he's had a good year. You would like to see him be healthy, obviously. But overall, it's been a good year for him. But I'll mention one other guy before I let you go: um, Joey Loperfito. And, and you know, we've been pounding the table for him for a while, for last year, this year. Uh, but the guy finally made it up to Double A this year, and he's just been crushing, hitting two ninety five OPS of almost a thousand, fifteen homers, seventeen stolen bases. You know, gives you good defense at center, at second, at first. Gets on base, has drawn forty walks in sixty one games. Uh, the guy just, I mean, you watch him play, he looks like a big leaguer. I think he's he's going to eventually make it to the, the bigs. You know, I don't know if it'll be with the Astros or another team. Um, but, man, what a find the Astros have in him. And, you know, seventh-round pick a couple years ago um, and all, is now on the cusp of, of being one of the, you know, better position player prospects in the system. 
And he said it really well when he was on the podcast with us not too long ago. It said, if you can hit in the Texas League, you can hit in the majors. And we, we've we seen that a lot. I mean, we've seen a lot more guys getting brought up from double A. And that's why some people early on were thinking, you know, Drew Gilbert could maybe make that jump. I mean, Joe, Joey Loprofito is another guy that could make that jump possibly one day. Even Will Wagner, when he was healthy, you know, he should be back sometime soon in the next couple of weeks, if not next week. And he's another guy that could probably make that jump if they just continue to hit well in the Texas League. And two other guys that hit well in the Texas League in June were Chad Stevens and Kennedy Corona. Mm-hmm. Both of those guys struggled. I mean, they struggled adjusting to the Texas League, adjusting to double-A pitching. But last month, Chad Stevens hit 256 with a 956 OPS, uh, six double or six home runs and three doubles and two triples. Uh, the guy was doing it all slugging-wise. And the month before, he had a 656 OPS. Go over to Kennedy Corona now. In June, he played in 20 games. He had 289 with an 872 OPS, doing it all in the field as well. And the month before that, he had a 667 OPS. So some of these guys that were kind of trending downward, um, kind of struggling, you know, trying to find that median between defense and offense and excelling at both, they found it in June. And I, I don't know if it was who they were facing, but something was clicking for both those guys too. Yeah, and it's, it's good to see, you know, I mean, uh, Corona has been in the system for a little while and had kind of that breakout year last year, got promoted to double to A extremely fast this year, only played like maybe four or six games in high before he got uh, promoted, but uh, good to see him doing well. The pitching staff has had some some good uh, performances as well. I mean, Spencer Arigetti spent most of the time in double A, but now he's up, but Colton Gordon, a guy we talked to a couple times. You know, 24 years old, pitching in double A right now. He's got 95 strikeouts and 75 innings, an ERA at 3.45. And he's had a lot of really good outings. He had a few that, you know, maybe didn't go well that kind of inflated the ERA, which it's still a good number. Uh, but, man, that's – we talk about the, the some of the top prospects in the system, and I think him and Arigetti, right, are, are, you know, those top pitching prospects. But one guy that's maybe not far behind him is Rhett Koba, 12th-round pick in 2021. You know, this year he's uh, he's pitched really well as well. Three nine three ERA, eighty one strikeouts and seventy three innings. Only walked sixteen, um, but he's another one where I feel like if you took out a couple of the bad outings, his numbers would be phenomenal. And you know, he had a he had one outing. I'm looking. He went three innings, gave up three runs. Had another where he went uh, inning and two third, gave up four runs. But the majority of out- his outings have been very strong. Doesn't walk many people. Get some strikeouts, uh, and is looking like another guy who's probably going to end up on a big league roster at some point. Both those guys, I, I think, fl- are flirting with a triple-A call-up by the end of the year. If there's oh, yeah. a spot that opens up in Sugarland, I think those are two guys that are ready for the test. Another uh, starter who's looked a little bit better as of late um, is Ryan Gusto. Ryan Gusto got that call-up um, to Corpus Christi in late June, made his first start on June 29th. Got an early hook, though. Only went two and two-thirds, gave up six runs on four hits. Uh, he had two batters and had two walks. Um, really rough, rough uh, start. Didn't matter. He bounced back over his next two this past week. He tossed eight innings combined, went four innings on July 4th, four innings on July 9th. He totaled nine strikeouts between that, only allowed one base runner. He gave up one hit, uh, no walks in that whole span. Uh, What a bounce back for him. A guy who was drafted in the 11th round in 2019 ended up being the Texas League Pitcher of the Week, and uh, props to him for that. Yeah, and then another one good to see, man. You know, the Astros find pitching prospects out of nowhere, and, and and Gusto just looks like another one. But overall, it's been a good year for for the hooks, and I can only imagine things are going to continue to to get better as the uh, season progresses, especially with getting Gilbert back healthy. 
And one more spot just to check out here is the bullpen. I mean, it's like we can talk about the lineup. We can talk about this rotation. There's two guys in that bullpen down there, Corpus Christi, that are having a good season so far. Jacob DeLabio, who has a 196 ERA and 18 in a third innings. He struck out 18 batters. Walks, maybe a little bit of an issue. I'm 16 so far, but he went undrafted. He uh, signed with the Astros back in 2021 post-draft. And it was, seems like a pretty big, pretty good pickup here for the Astros. No going back. I mean, he's double A moving up from there and he looks good so far. Another guy is Cole McDonald, um, 15th round pick back in 2019. He was another guy that started the year in Asheville, got up to double A. ERA's jumped a little bit more now. Um, he's up to a 3.81. I think last week he was below three, um, but through 26 innings this season, 40 strikeouts. I mean, that, that's a big number for a guy that's in his first year in the Texas league. And we'll go ahead and jump down to Asheville. They're 29 and 47. Once again, the, the record doesn't look great, but they've had some good performers. And uh, the first one I, I want to talk about is Ryan Clifford. You know, we talked about him uh, in the first segment. When we were talking about the drafts and, and getting him over slot. Um, and he's had a phenomenal year, you know, ni- uh, 19 years old, started off the year in Fayetteville and hit 337 with an OPS of almost a thousand, uh, drew 25 walks in 25 games, then got that promotion to high A and he struggled initially. Uh, first few games didn't go well, but he's turned it on recently. Overall, he's got an 866 OPS, uh, 11 homers, 32 RBIs in, in high A. But I think if you go look, and I'm going to pull the numbers here, um, his first like five games in in, uh, in high A, he went hitless. He was like 0 for 15 or something. You take that out, and he's got an OPS of 937, hitting uh, 280 in, in high A. So just what he's doing with the bat at his age, and especially over the last, you know, 20, 30 games is is uh has been really good to see. You know, he's gonna end up being a he's a quarter outfielder, first baseman, but the bat is his carrying tool. And a 19 years old doing what he's doing in high A is uh it, it's a real good sign. And I know me and you have talked about it kind of off the air, but um he's easily making a case to be, you know, top top two, three, maybe in the system. Definitely in that top three range. You know, there's people arguing he might even be top one just based on how well he's performed throughout the whole season. Um, you look at a guy like Drew Gilbert, of course, he's going to be your number one guy in the system. He is probably the best talent that the Astros have at the moment. Um, but Brian Clifford, you know, biting in his heels for that top dog spot. Uh, another position player that's looked, you know, pretty good all season is Tim Borden. Uh, I mentioned him a little bit earlier about a guy who jumped to high A pretty quickly after the draft, just based on need, and he performed well. Yeah. And, uh, he was batting 287 with a 926 OPS last year. Um, this year through 59 games, he's batting 274, 802 OPS. OPS dropped a little bit. I mean, he has nine home runs, eight doubles so far. Um, the strikeouts are probably the primary issue right now with 80 and 59 games. Uh, but pretty good offensive consistency right there for a team that's been a little bit up and down throughout the season with guys fluctuating in and out. Um, another guy that just quickly that I'll, I'll mention that kind of stood out to me in his first outing was Nick Swanson, mm-hmm. who uh, spent a f- full year in single A last year after he drafted drafted in the 16th round in 2021. Finally got that opportunity to go up to Asheville. Uh, he made his first start on July 3rd, went in uh, went four and two thirds innings, uh, didn't get out of that fifth inning, but he only gave him two runs at four strikeouts. Second in, second outing. Probably not something to mention, a little, little bit more rough one. It was kind of like the same thing for Nolan DeVos, uh, mm-hmm. who looked pretty good in his first outing and kind of got the welcome to high A soon after. Yeah, and that's a tough place to pitch, not only in Asheville, but just some of the other parks in, in North Carolina. Um, so it's kind of, you almost got to take those with a grain of salt. But uh, another guy, and he's played in 23 games in double A, but majority of his games were in high A. Zach DeZenzo got off to an amazing start. First 31 games in, in Asheville, hit 407. Um, which was, I mean, in a four four seventy four on base percentage, got that promotion to double A. 
only hitting 274 in 23 games. I say only, I mean, it's still, still pretty good numbers. Power numbers are down a little bit, only two homers in those 23 games. But you know, overall, the season, he's hitting 350, kind of showing what he can do with the bat, being a bat first prospect guy that could play probably first, second, and third base. Um, so a lot of good offensive performances. And I'll mention one other one, Jacob Milton. I think if you look at the numbers, you know, on the surface, they don't look great. Uh, 14 homers, 30 stolen bases, but I think he's hitting like 240. But really, his batting average on balls in play is insanely low, especially for a guy with his speed um, and with the kind of power that he has. I mean, put, he, he posts insane exit velocities, you know, over 110 uh, quite often. So he's a guy that I think eventually will just kind of break out of that. Balls will start falling. You'll see those numbers start trending upward. But uh, looks like the Astros definitely did well drafting the outfitters last year. You know, Drew Gilbert, Jacob Melton, and uh, Ryan Clifford. For a long time there, he still might be. He was the leader for full season uh, minor leaguers in batting average. Uh, that That's just incredible for a guy who was drafted in the 12th round last year. Yeah. A pretty big steal. And you, you had a great article talking with him about just, you know, how he got to the spot and just, you know, how he approaches everyday baseball as a player and um, looked good there. Uh, two quick transactions before we jump down to Fayetteville. Uh, this was a very unfortunate one. It, it kind of kind of just bothered me a little bit just to see it. But uh, Freitas Nova, who was once a top five prospect on the system, found himself on the 40-man roster. He he voluntarily retired. Um, his career is over. So for right now, in the minor leagues, he's no longer with um, the Astral Tourist. And uh, Freitas was a very driven player. Very you know He was a very kind player. Uh, just things did not always go his way offensively. Um, yeah. Had the left torn left ACL. Um, at the end of the 2021 season, barely played in 2022. It was just on rehab assignments in the complex league. And then got snake bit again with some injury that was left undisclosed this, um, this past couple months. And just stuff didn't go his way. And it was very unfortunate. Another guy that's also facing some injuries is Nero Rodriguez, who was great last year. And OPS north of 900 through maybe 30 plus games in high A. Um, got an injury left undisclosed. We didn't know about it. We never knew what happened. Um, came back this year. Played maybe five or five to ten games, something in that range, and then was hit with another injury. But he's going to miss the remainder of the season. Yeah, and it's it's tough for Novi. You know, it's a guy. Guys had uh, a lot of people had plenty of high hopes for him. You know, sometimes unfortunately it just doesn't work out. Uh, we'll go to Fayetteville. They're thirty five and forty five. They've been up and down. They've had some really good stretches. They've had some that are a little tougher. They've they've suffered a lot from the promotions, you know, losing Ryan Clifford and, and some of the other guys, the pitchers as well. They've lost quite a few of them, which we'll talk about a few of them. But on the offensive side, the one guy that has kind of been the, the constant form has been Zach Cole, a 10th round pick last year. He's hitting uh, 272, got 11 homers, 25 stolen bases, an OPS of over 900. He has some strikeout concerns. He's got 92 and 68, uh, 68 games, but he also has 44 walks. And uh, the guy's just a, a really good athlete, hits the ball hard, you know, good defensively, steals a lot of bases. So, you know, if he can cut down on those strikeouts, the Astros could be looking at another steal of a prospect right there. Uh, like I said, they got him in the, the 10th round last year in the draft. It just feels like Asheville's just been calling Zach Cole for a while now. Yeah. I, I know there's not a lot of room there. We've talked about it. Options there with Ryan Clifford can maybe play some first base, maybe keep him up some of those infield guys like Justin Williams and Kobe Cotto in the infield, you know, maybe don't stretch them to the corners and you have an opportunity to give Zach Cole good at bats and the Astros minor league player of the month for June. And plus being the Carolina league player of the month, I, this guy is, you know, he's proven it a thousand OPS over the last two months. I, I, he's proven that he's ready for Asheville. And I think the draft will be another reason that another reason that just pushes him forward. Uh, another outfielder that's really stood out to me is Tyler Whitaker uh, came back from a wrist injury. Uh, yeah. We don't really know what caused the wrist injury might've come on a slide, but uh, missed all of June played in some rehab games there at the end of the year, but um, through four games in July though, uh, he's looked really good. 
He has five hits and 13 at-bats. It's a good start. Two home runs, six RBI, uh, five walks to seven strikeouts, and two stolen bases. A guy that's been hit with some injuries and some inconsistencies um, since he was drafted in 2021. Still on the younger side, though, so there's still hope the entire winner can just piece it together, find some healthy healthy months, and he's only 20 years old. Um, so maybe Asheville will be a place that he sees by the end of the year, uh, but he's, he's looked good since he's came back from his injury. Yeah, third round pick got a nice signing bonus. So getting him back and and um, you know having him perform at the the expectation level that we had for him would be would be really good for the system. Uh, well, I want to jump to a couple pitchers over in Fayetteville, you know, and they had a lot of the the twenty twenty two draftees pitching um, for them this year. A couple guys that have really stood out, but one Trey Dumbro- uh, Dumbroski. You know, we talked about him uh, quite a bit. I talked to them when I was in Fayetteville. Uh, he's had a phenomenal year, 3.28 ERA, struck out 93 in 74 innings, only allowed 57 hits. Uh, he's only 22. You know, he's only, I think in college, he only threw 166 innings. He's at 74 this year already. So I don't know how much the Astros are really going to push him. And maybe that's a reason he hasn't gone to Asheville yet, but um, he's had some extremely dominant performances from that left side. And you could tell he just, he kind of overmatches a lot of hitters down there and uh, it won't be long before he gets an opportunity to to move up to the next level. Another guy that's been pretty lights out down there in a single A is Tyler Gilfhole. Uh, two eight seven ERA this year over twelve games. That's thirty seven and two thirds innings. But the fifty four strikeouts is what really stands out. Um, eighth round pick last year out of Kentucky, and another guy that's maybe pushed in the Astros' hand to move up to high A once these other draft picks kind of find themselves in single A. But it might just come next season as well. Um, we yep. saw last year a lot of these single A guys. Um, Prime example is Andrew Taylor. Andrew Taylor <laughs> didn't get up there. Trey Dombrowski, they didn't get up there. Right. Uh, the, so there might be an opportunity maybe next season, but he's looked really good. I mean, he's another starter. He's started six of his 12 games, seeing a lot of action out of the bullpen as well in the tandems. Um, I think another thing that stands out is the 16 walks of 54 strikeouts. Um, he's putting it all together. I know he missed a little bit of time. I think it was maybe missed a start or two, uh, but he's looked really good. Yeah, and I know it's early, but it looks like the returns from that draft last year have, have been solid. Uh, Nolan DeVos, you mentioned him. Um, strikeout numbers are insane for him. He struck out 74 and 52 innings in Fayetteville before getting promoted to Asheville. I think he's pitching two games in Asheville. But even um, more mind-boggling, he only, he only allowed 33 hits in 52 innings. I mean, just uh, in uh, you know unreal numbers. And he's not a guy that throws extremely hard, but he has the the good you know vertical approach angle and the he has all the makings of the invisible, just like Christian Javier, where he doesn't have to throw 97 to get it by guys. He can throw 92, 93. And, uh, he, you know, he, he talked that his velocity has gotten up to that 94, 95 range as well. So um, he's got uh, one guy I think people need to definitely pay attention to. And then Andrew Taylor, the Astros uh, second round pick last year, or the comp pick that they, they uh, got for uh, losing uh, Carlos Correa, I believe. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they drafted Taylor with that. Um, 71 strikeouts in 48 innings and one he's, he's another one you go look at some game logs it's been up and down but his dominant performances have been like very very dominant when I was in Fayetteville just last week I think he struck out nine and in four innings I mean and, and no one could hit him I mean it was it was just unhittable so to see that from a guy who's only 21 you know he told me he was six foot five and 170 pounds when he got to college I think he's like 195 now so he's adding weight um, and I think I know you did an article at the beginning of the season but his potential um, is really off the charts, and he's only you know just just getting a little bit of that potential right now. Still a long way to go, but uh, but looking like definitely a good pick for the Astros last year. What I really admired about him when I spoke to him is yeah you know, he didn't play last year when he came to the complex. They they were really slow with him trying to get him adjusted to pro ball. Uh, I don't even think he 
pitched in the complex league. I think he got in to maybe a couple games and instructs in September, but he bought in early. I mean, he wasn't a guy that was mad about not getting to play, seeing some other guys go up to Fayetteville, see some guys see a lot of action in the complex league. Um, he just bought in and did what the Astros wanted. And it, it's paying off right now. I mean, he's kind of starting to piece it together. A third round pick last year, the comp pick there. Um, there's, you know, a lot to expect. And everyone, when he was drafted, everyone was like, oh, he has the invisible fastball. The fastball right. rises. You're not going to see it. Um, very dedicated to his craft. And he seems just like an all around, just kind of just students of the game. You know, we've mentioned that a couple of times, but he's very invested in what's go what goes on behind the scenes too. Yeah, definitely. And I think he's going to continue to get better. You know, he's getting used to not throwing the fastball. I, I think he said in college he was throwing it like 80 to 85% of the time. He's obviously having to adjust that now. But, um, yeah, the the returns on the Astros picks last year are looking um, looking really good, especially on that pitching side. Uh, so, Kenny, now that we're done with those teams, I do want to ask you, we always talk about the best thing you learned this week, and I know we haven't recorded in a couple of weeks, but tell me what's kind of the one thing, the, the best thing that you've learned over the last couple of weeks? Uh, one of the best things I've learned over the last couple of weeks is that um, down in the Florida Complex League, I've been paying a little bit more attention this season with Kenny Gomez, Luis Baez down there. Those are two top 30 guys that are going to be on your list coming soon. And um, they've, you know, hit some injury bugs. Kenny Gomez was out with an injury. We don't really know what, what was holding Luis Baez out there for a little bit. Um, but there were some other guys, Wander Luciano, who was an all-star last year in the DSL. He was, play, you know, hitting well. Alberto Hernandez is piecing it together. Some of these guys were kind of big time signings, uh, some under the radar. Uh, they've all looked well, looked good, and they're um, building a lot of confidence as some of these younger hitters and very young team down there in the complex league that's going to be uh, boosted by some of these draft picks. But the thing that really stood out to me uh, that I was like looking at these photos, talking to these people down there is that they have a foam Astros cowboy hat. So one of those big foam hats you can get at like a Minute Maid Park or just yeah. any stadium. It's a cowboy hat with the Astros logo on it. And I don't know. I've seen it on couple different guys i've seen it on pictures and pictures in the dugout i've seen it on luis Baez walking around um <laughs> i don't know who it belongs to i don't know the story behind it but i thought it was a lot of fun and i think that's just one of the, the fun aspects of the complex league yeah for sure and hopefully we'll see the you know the Baez and the, the gomez in fayetteville here soon the one thing that i learned uh i guess over the last couple weeks really is you know i was in Asheville, beautiful stadium uh built in like 1923 super old um but the backdrop, you know, if you're looking from sitting at home plate, you're looking out, you see nothing but but greenery. And it's above the, the outfield fence. It's greenery. It's big trees. Well, sitting there, I think the first night I was there and I look up and I was like, what the heck is that behind the, the outfield fence? And it was a goat. So it basically sits on like a mountain behind the the fence. The the it, it like immediately starts inclining uh, the 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 uh, terrain does. Well, they got goats out there and they got probably somewhere in the eight to 10 range and they let them roam. And that's the way that they keep the keep the uh, the shrubbery down, keep the grass down is they let them just roam and eat. So during the game, you know, the, the Asheville tourists are playing baseball and you got goats just behind the uh, behind the outfield fence, just eating away at some some shrubbery and some grass. And um, that's something I didn't know. And I was there last year. I never even saw them. But when I when I mentioned to somebody I was sitting next to, they were like, oh, yeah, they have the goats there. That's, that's how they keep it clean. So uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, when you told me that, I just didn't believe you. I was just like, they just like goats roam around. But yeah. for a second there, I thought you were saying that they just like ate up the outfield. They just like kind of cleaned <laughs> it up. There was there was no big lawnmower. Uh, they just kind of drove around. They just threw, threw uh, goats on the field. Um, but that's pretty funny because I didn't even see them there. I went in October, November, and they, they weren't out there. I mean, okay. no season going on, but yeah, yeah. Um, got some pictures in front of McCormick Field, but I didn't see the goats out there. I know you said that there's a great view at the top, too. Yep. Yeah, definitely. If you go, you know, behind, there's a park, like, 
it's higher in elevation than the stadium. So there's a park up there. And if you go to the top of the stands, it, it's a, a great view. Um, and real quick, I mean, I'll recap my, my trip there, but, you know, I went to Asheville and Fayetteville, uh, had a phenomenal time. Both teams were, uh, were awesome, you know, very, uh, welcoming, uh, hospitality was great, uh, ownership at both levels. I mean, Fayetteville, I got to talk to literally everybody like in the organization at the, the, the team there, uh, players are great. Coaches are great. I really couldn't ask for a better time. So, um, I know that was brief. I did some articles on it, but, uh, but overall, uh, had a phenomenal time. If if you're listening and you haven't been to North Carolina, I highly suggest going for minor league baseball. I think they got 10 minor league teams in North Carolina alone, Asheville and Fayetteville, about four hours apart. So you can easily see both within a two-day period. Uh, I was there for four days, but uh, but really good time. I'm already ready to go back next season. They told me to come back after the draft, you know, because Fayetteville would have some new players. Have to see if I can potentially make that work. But if not, uh, definitely ready to go next year. Yeah, it's awesome. I I I did never made it to Fayetteville, but I was in Asheville just driving through. I never got to see a game, but I mean, just the scenery is beautiful too. I mean, you're you're paying not just for baseball, you're just paying for an experience and just yep. beautiful towns there in in North Carolina. If they had a real like a major league baseball team, the cherry on top. I mean, that that's a baseball state. Big time. Big time. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast, covering your Astros and a minor league system.